Hello and welcome to um, our very first podcast. The podcast with Sarah Cavender and myself, Sam Eddy. Um, we've been wanting to do this for a while because we talk a lot. We've known each other for a number of years and um, we often talk about, talk about healthcare and the problems with healthcare, how stressful it can be. So today we're talking about why is healthcare so stressful um, in the in the context of really taking back control of your health and optimizing your own health care so you know what to do um, to make yourself healthy happy and ultimately thrive because that's what it's about um, we've both got different backgrounds so sarah maybe i'll get you to introduce yourself first absolutely thank you for having me um, i'm a mental health nurse um, i came into nursing a little bit backwards um, i started with in the land of personal development studies and often in those studies I would run into nurses who'd started in nursing and then came into personal development and I always joke that I kind of did it the other way around so yeah. I went into nursing as a mature age student but with a background um, of personal development and understandings of other paradigms of health and healing. Um, so this podcast as Sam said has been born um, after lots of coffee dates mm, in cafes absolutely. and us talking <laughs> about um, what we felt didn't work in the system yep. and didn't work for ourselves as consumers um, and ourselves as professionals in the system mm. and floating around the system. And we felt what we learned benefited us immensely mm -hmm. um, and what seems to happen is you come to the point where you think maybe this would benefit other people as well. Totally. And if other people can learn from my experience and uh, have some shortcuts and perhaps not have to do it so tough, then um, I love to be able to share that experience. And it also gives me a little more meaning to my own experience mm. and mm. makes it feel like I perhaps don't suffer quite so much knowing other people are benefiting from it. Absolutely. Yeah, and no, I feel the same. Mm. Um, and I guess, you know, my background is completely different to yours because I was in corporate financial services banking for many years in marketing, flogging credit cards and banking products and other things. Um, and look, on many levels, it was a great career. Um, I did enjoy it, um, but ultimately it wasn't for me. So I retrained, did a psychology master's, trained as a counsellor in the UK. And now I sort of combine both worlds, do a lot of executive coaching, wellbeing training, speaking, um, run some workshops, which we've talked about a bit, Sarah, um, and I know you do the same. So that's kind of my background. Um, and you kind of just started talking about it, if I can sort of, you know, be default host today. Absolutely. Um, you know, what you sort of start talking about how you can help people, why it's important, perhaps some of the stuff that goes wrong in healthcare. But what, what are the first things that come to mind for you when we think of healthcare being stressful, you know, from your experience working in there, um, but also as a consumer of it? Oh, great question, Sam. Um, for me, as a professional working in healthcare, it's extremely stressful. Um, over time, I felt like the clients coming in were more and more unwell. Um, we were basically checking out clients who were still very unwell, but we had pressure on us from the emergency department to have to bring clients in and take up beds so we constantly had demands on us to be looking after clients with very little time very little resources um, and it came to feel like it was just a band-aid solution mm. and I felt like I'm a very big advocate for education 
I really, the more education I did myself and the more I saw that it changed my world, um, the more I wanted to be able to sit with clients and educate them mm. about what exactly is health. So it's time, isn't it? Not having that time, is, is, time. A, is a critical factor. Um, you talk about sitting with clients and wanting to give them the time, educate them, give them options. But even just the classic example with the GP, when they've got sort of 15 minutes to treat someone, it's that just made me think of that straight away. There is no time. Well, it's actually an interesting issue. It, yes, it is time, but there's actually more to it than that. And, and this is where um, I'm very keen to talk about our topic today about stress, because mm. quite often when you, you enter healthcare, you've come in for some kind of reason that is causing you stress. So there's ac- accident, injury, surgery, chronic illness, all those have a stress component. Mm. Now, A, we don't have the time, but the irony being that when you come in when you're under stress, you're also not actually in a state where you can be learning the information that's required for you to understand what is health. Mm. So now we're really dovetailing into one of my favourite topics, which is preventative health and wellbeing. And preventative health and wellbeing, ironically, is really about being in a state where you're not under stress and you can learn new information. Mm. So when you come into any healthcare system, when you're under stress, because of the the response we have to stress, which is basically about saving our lives. So when we're preoccupied with saving our lives and if uh, the cliche is there's a lion chasing you, it's not a time to stop. It's not a time to take in new information. It's not a time to analyse the information you're being given. It's not a time to allow new people, strangers, healthcare professionals anywhere Mm. near you, (laughs) all you want to do is run. And ironically, what I was seeing is when clients came in in that stress response, we're then trying to administer healthcare to these clients who are already stressed. Now, if you're already stressed, anything we're trying to do on one level or another, in some sense, can only serve to exacerbate that stress response. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's. I think... um that heightened stress response for me as a consumer of healthcare, which was kind of my first real foray into it before I started kind of working, I guess, in this realm, if you like. Um, And when you just sort of, what resonated with me, what you just said then was healthcare is kind of administered to you. Mm. I consumed healthcare and always thought, if there's something wrong with me, headache at the very basic level, stomach ache, tonsillitis or throat, whatever it is, you go to someone to get fixed. Um, and it feels like, and I guess with emergency medicine from the outside looking in, of course, if you have suffered trauma, that's, you know, you need to go to get put back together. That makes sense Mm -hmm. because there is no time, but for a lot of other things and for, um, I know chronic illness or things that happen over time that are less time urgent in that sense. Um, my, I guess one of the biggest insights I have from the work I do now is that healthcare doesn't have to happen to you. It starts with you first. And I always talk about um, what happened to me when I was in the UK and I used to get tonsillitis three times a year on antibiotics all the time. I was burning the candle at both ends, working really hard, partying really hard, having a good time, sort of, but probably wasn't really happy. And then I just used to keep getting sick and I was not in touch with my body at all. Um, I'd go to the doctor and they'd say, oh, well, look, you know, you might have to get your tonsils out at some point there's probably scar tissue there that's why you're getting it all the time Um, until someone had started to point out to me that hang on Sam you're working really hard you're not giving your body any time to recover 
So getting trying to get a pill to fix it all the time is maybe not the way, not the way to go. And it was a long journey, but and I was able to kind of start looking after myself, taking control of my health, which I didn't know you could do. As silly as that sounds, perhaps, but at the time I had no idea, and it's kind of gone. So for me, health health is about me taking control and then choosing how I want to use health services, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And this is what terrifies me as a health professional. Absolutely. I could talk about this for hours. The Latin derivative of doctor is educator. Yeah, right. The, 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 the role originally was doctors were educating us about health and well-being. And with the way the system now functions is that we don't have the time or the resources to be putting the education in. And as I said, there's even a question about whether you come to us, whether that's the ideal time to be doing that anyway. Mm. But what you're describing, and that's what I see with patients, we now think it's so normal to be living in that state of health. We now think it's so normal than when we're not. We just come to a doctor or we come to a healthcare place, we get a pill, we get a treatment, and then off we go again. Mm. And we leave with little to no understanding about how we got there in the first place. And when we don't understand how we get there, we don't know how to get anywhere else. And this is where, over time, I felt like I was just in this revolving door treadmill of people just revolving in and out, in and out, in and out, where what I could see largely was, if not preventable, but manageable. Yes. Or, as you said, more being able to control it. And control perhaps is not the right word, um, but we'll go with that for the time being. Um, But to take some responsibility for what's happening to you and not to have to hand it over to someone. And Yeah, it's really empowering, isn't it? And it's not about blame or judgment to say, um, you know, um, you you should have taken control or it's just about um, and not blaming people to say, well, actually... For me, in my circumstance that I described, yes, I probably was contributing to my own health problems, but it wasn't about blaming myself. It was going, how amazing is this? Once you realise that you can actually <laughs> influence your own health, you know, 90% of the time, probably more, who knows, um, it's really empowering because you can go, oh, okay, I can take control of this and, and anxiety diminishes, stress diminishes. There is no blame. You don't know what you don't know. And this is where I don't think there is, it's not about blame and it's not about individuals. It raises much larger questions about society and and, um, how we're structured. Um, But what has excited me is health and wellbeing, there's no limit to that. And this is what definitely um, excites me, particularly with the developments in science at the moment. Mm. The more and more we're coming to understand ourselves, knowledge is power, the more we're able to... um, positively affect our health and well-being regardless of what's happening to us um, and that's why I like the concept we were originally touching on is that that concept of stress affects our health yep. and when we are in stress we're in fight and flight we're set up to fight for our lives it's not really conducive to health so, so one of the, the, the very small things we can do is start to bring that stress down And our body and its innate wisdom has its capacity to heal itself. It has its capacity to repair and recover. And our responsibility, as far as I see, as the driver, is to support our body and and create an environment where we're able to switch from being Mm. fight and flight to being growth. Yes, growth-orientated, absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, look, I was going to talk about that in a minute, mm. but I just because we're talking about that healthcare system itself, I just wanted to get your thoughts. Or firstly, say that um, even though um, I think I suspect you do too, in terms of what you've said, that there are problems with the healthcare system. In many ways, it's not set up for healing, mm. um, like you sort of talked about as well. But I think there are a lot of amazing people in the system. People, if you're listening and you happen to be working mm. in the system everyone that I know who goes into it goes in with good intention and it's not that they great work is not done um, and so it's important to point that out but I think in terms of how it's set up and we've sort of created this as a society collectively it is not necessarily aligned for healing and I also in terms of just you know on a very basic level the physical environment so walking into a hospital um, sometimes it's changing you're seeing some really great changes um i went to the royal children's hospital even that's a fairly new building in melbourne and that's changed quite a bit so in terms of the physical environment is a little bit more um, conducive towards healing olivia newton john center yeah okay yeah Yeah, it's worth a look if you can have a chance to get in there i absolutely agree with you i think medicine is doing amazing work and they continue to and um as we talked about for certain things you wouldn't want to go anywhere else you know i had a car accident there's nowhere else I'm yes. going than straight to a hospital yep. to work with the most amazing surgeons. Um, and what they did was incredible. And we often get into this conversation about the system being broken and beating up the system. I don't actually think that's the answer. I think we need to let the system be masters of their craft, back off and let them do what they do and do it well and stop expecting them to do everything. Yes. And this is where I think we need to open up our system to allow other dimensions and levels and practitioners and other knowledge into the system rather than expecting the whole system to change. I love what you're offering there because it, I mean, I talk about transparency a lot and it just feels, as you said, that I'm, I can say, yes, well, let's let these people do their work really well, um, take the pressure off, mm. um, but also as for consumers really have a different conversation about what that help is. Yes. So doing it from a perspective of, um, you know, you can look after your own health. You're the kind of driver of your own health, your own destiny. You can create your own health reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can use these specialists in their area to to maximise how they can help you to really support you, but they're kind of not um, managing your overall Absolutely. health. And that seems really nice, that idea of transparency, really demystifying it. We've talked about that a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone kind of knows exactly what people do, why they do it, and we sort of, we sort of, these kind of perhaps, I don't know, things that we learn when we're young about doctors are supposed to solve everything, we sort of start to demystify these, push these things aside so that we can then really take control of our health. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we're going back into the dark ages, the doctors were the holders of knowledge. They did kind of know everything. But we're in such a different age now, and expecting them to know everything is gone. You know, medicine is becoming more and more specialised um, and we can't know everything every, anymore. We have to have the individual specialists that cover their area of expertise. What is missing, I think, as you're touching on, is the one person that ties everything together. And instead of having the specialist as your go-to person, you have a centralised person, which not even a doctor is that person anymore. And and I've seen new roles open up for nurse entrepreneurs Mm. and also doctor entrepreneurs who kind of um, operate as that central meeting point. And then we also, we almost set up as a business who then employs 
different specialists who, who consults with different specialists. But then you come back and you're like, well, what did you think about what mm. they said? How is that sitting with you? We offer you an opportunity to really integrate and process what's happening to you within the system. And, and that's missing at the moment. Yeah. And people aren't given the space to sit down, hopefully when they're out of the stress response, where they can think more clearly, they can make decisions more clearly, they have the time and the support to check in with their heart and their gut to really assess what's right for them. Mm. And then together we can make a plan to move forward. Now, in that scenario, you've also a co-journeyed through the system. And it's in the relationship, ironically, that helps us calm down yes. and move into that yep. growth stage. Yes. And again, that's what's what's missing from the system at that moment. Yes. Yeah, I agree. It's not something I see a lot of either. And I think that would, would help a lot. I, I guess... My perspective also is that, and I always talk about this, is being your own guru. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, it's good to have that central person in the system, but my kind of foundation when I'm helping clients is, well, actually, you're that person for yourself, first and foremost, to my mind, because the more you can build your confidence, um, you're able to then use someone like that, who then has more knowledge of the system, um, you're able to then reconnect with, as you said, your brain or your heart, your gut, reconnect with your body, your own health, so you can then um, start to manage it and then also know who is going to work for you and center from a personality perspective. Unfortunately, there's great GPs, but mm. there's also not so great GPs, not great psychologists, great psychologists. Mm. So if you're being your own guru, doing your own research on your own health, your own circumstances, then... To my mind, that's what I help people with in terms of that central tenet. As you being your own guru, you're then more able to then use all the assets available to you. I absolutely agree. And of course I do. That's why we like to share time together. <laughs> um, and maybe I didn't spell that out clearly. That's what I see that centralised person is doing. Right. So it's someone that definitely gives you knowledge and experience and support to empower yourself. I remember when I had my car accident and... My care, I had a, a number of different injuries and my care was coordinated with a number of different teams. Mm. And then I well, then went into rehab and, again, was seeing a number of different practitioners. And they sometimes were telling me conflicting information. Right. And it can become very confusing. And there was a point I remembered very early on in my care that I sat down and I went, I am the expert of me. Yes. So I am the one that's not only going to have to make the decisions, but live with the ramifications of the decisions. And no one knows me better than me. So these are people I can go to for advice, but at the end of the day, I am going to be the one that makes the best decision for me. Yeah, I love it. Um, and I guess, and you've talked about this before, and exactly in, in terms of how you describe that just then, it made me think of stress and how do you get to that place and obviously we're talking about how the healthcare system can cause stress and when we're stressed as you said um, in the intro um, if you're coming into the healthcare system and you're stressed it is very difficult to have clarity of mind clarity of thinking um, so I guess it's maybe a good time to talk about well how do we all the impact of perhaps how we are thinking mentally our mental health mm. um, how stressed we are how important it is to kind of in order to be your own guru, mm -hmm. 
um, take control of your health, one of the first steps is really, in my view at least, is to kind of really reduce your stress levels, come into awareness about where you're at. If what we're talking about here today resonates, coming into and going, well, where am I with my life? What's going on for me at work, at home? How are my stress levels? Getting in touch with your heart. Am I, is it pumping? Is that racing heartbeat when I get to work in the car, dropping the kids off from school, whatever it may be? Is my nervous system on high alert? Is it kind of in that flight or fight mode um, where we're kind of looking out for danger? Where are we on that scale for us? Um, Because to my mind, if we can kind of bring it into awareness, then start to address it, we're more able to then build confidence, become our own guru, decipher through information that we're looking up, make decisions with clear choices, filter the information we're given, ask questions back, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. I think the bodily responses are often the first thing we will notice. Um, hopefully that the aim is to learn to notice them sooner rather than later. Yep. So they don't have to be flooding us. They talk about you know, just a light tap over the shoulder rather than two, the two by four over the hedge. But well, I got the two by four. You did. You did. <laughs> yes, so did I. I away with the car accident. Yeah. Um, I knew I was under-stressed yes. before the car accident and I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. I was trying to push through, which is one of the things we do when we're under stress, which is interesting because 100%. our life is threatened. We, we're going to buckle down. We're going to fight through. Um, so we, we kind of get caught in this loop that yeah. we just kind of keep winding ourselves tighter and tighter and tighter. Um, and I guess that's what I'm touching on. I don't know we just, do we have these bodily responses, but it affects how we think. And I think this is the bit people often miss that it affects our capacity to think about the fact that we're stressed or if we recognise it, our capacity to choose to do something different because, um, and and you kind of touched on it when you said I was having a good time but maybe not, those those, um, hormones that go with being stressed are addictive. Yes, that adrenaline, we get addicted to the adrenaline, totally. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, there's a little bit of, um, you know, you think you're going to conquer the world and you do because that's what you're trying to do, you're trying to save your life. So, you know... It can take a lot of um, reflection and awareness and, and, and a real willingness to let go of that state. Yeah, totally. Um, and that can be difficult, again, because by that stage we're entrenched with the fact that that's what needs to happen. Yes. I know for me um, a good gauge of this sort of stuff in terms of where we're at is um, how much we're overriding those symptoms mm. of stress. So if we're working at a desk, in a desk job, for example, your back's sore, a bit of a headache, you're finishing a report, you've got to get this spreadsheet done, whatever it is, I mean, what do you do? Do you listen to your body and you go for a walk, take a break, or do you go reach for the Panadol and a coffee so you can push through, like you mm. kind of described before, pushing through you know, before you had your accident? Um, because if we know... If we can kind of clock ourselves when we're overriding what our body's trying to tell us, mm. um, or if you can reflect back on your own life and go, oh, yeah, I've been kind of overriding that. I've been frustrated because I'm getting headaches all the time and one of the headaches, why doesn't the headache go away so I can work more as opposed to going, oh, I'm getting headaches regularly. Perhaps I need to slow down. Perhaps my body's trying to intervene where I can't quite see it myself. There's something I need to do. And that can be a way of just gauging where you're at, as well as, and you talked about, you know, was I happy or was I not? I was partying quite hard. And that was an escape. It was an adrenaline escape. So the other thing I talk about is, you know, how often are we going to our escapes? Eating, 
Mm. It's different depending on who we are, our life experience, eating too much, um, not exercising or exercising obsessively, um, shopping too much, drinking too much, you know, going from a glass of wine every other night to I'm eating a couple a night because things have gotten busy. Um, that can be a good gauge Absolutely. of where your stress levels are. Look, I think the interesting thing is intuitively we know. We've both said we know. The reasons we're using these distraction techniques is because we know. Yep. But it can become terrifying to kind of stop that. Um, and for me, a big giveaway when I'm with people is how fast they talk. Yep. And I even noticed myself, as I said, I've slowed down. And the first giveaway when someone's talking to me is the speed in which they speak and their breathing. Yep. So when you say, how can I stop? One of the biggest thing I will use is just slowing down my speech. Yes. Yep. Creating space. I'm kind of in a trance now that you've slowed <laughs> down. It's true. It works. It does. I use that technique also with people who are suffering having a panic attack. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly as you're doing it, you know, slowing the speech down, not to patronise people, but just to, you know, slow the rate of speech, calm, you know, give send signals to the body that everything's okay. So that's a great, that's, that's a great advice. Uh, and that's what I love. We can actually override this system and we can deliberately override it by just doing a couple of very, very simple things. Um, the slowing down movement and speech, I think, is one of the most powerful ones yeah, that absolutely. I use to start with. Well, it's fundamental, isn't it? If you clock yourself and you find it's working, if you're slowing your speech down, if you get up in the morning and instead of racing around the house like a man and you clock yourself in that mode, mm-hmm. okay, I'm just going to walk slowly to the door, get the keys, walk slowly to the train. If I miss one and get the next one, okay, so be it. Hard to do, but so powerful if you can do it. Yeah, I'm reminded of the hare and the tortoise. Yes. Because we're in that stress state. Yes. We actually think we're getting more done. And studies will actually tell you that we're not. Our brain at that point is compartmentalised. We're not able to draw on our whole being. We lose concentration many times in the minute. Um, So we're actually not getting more done. We're actually getting less done Mm. with less quality. And so, yeah, just to slow down and maybe you miss the next train, but you may be much more productive when you get to work yes. and, and you hit that desk in a much better frame of mind to be churning out work that's of a much higher quality. Mm. It also affects the people around you. Stress is contagious. Our nervous system is genius. It's, they often talk about it being like a guitar string. And if someone comes near you, we will actually pick up their vibration and it can start to affect our own. Yeah. So here's where not only are you doing it for yourself, but you're doing it for the other members in your household. You're doing it for the rest of the team in the office. You know, it was one thing I couldn't control the stress in the hospital, but I could control how I was. And in doing that, my team would start to fall in line when I was managing a team. Every patient I walked up to would start to fall in line as well. And now we've got that ripple effect yeah. spreading out. Powerful, isn't it? Absolutely. And exciting when we realise that. It is really exciting because, you know, we do encounter stress all the time, but if we can kind of keep calm, slow things down in the moment, our vibration changes, and it's hard for people to resist that. Um, if people are 
don't you know can't come into our vibration they tend to disappear or leave our mm. immediate vicinity because it's we're not fueling their adrenaline Absolutely. their stress so it's it's really powerful um we're sort of coming to the end and i was just wondering what you thought if people are listening and they're kind of either in the system at the moment mm. or they're you know wondering you know how to avoid the system if they you know mm. or if they know that they'll come into it at some point um I mean, what's the best thing to do? I guess we've sort of talked about it around, you know, looking at your own stress levels, clocking it. But what do you, I mean, what do you think? Um, I'm a massive believer of knowledge and experience. Um, I'm a massive believer in learning what is stress. We've talked about some of the symptoms and how it affects you, but we banter that word around all the time. But I think it's really important to understand what that mood means and how it affects us individually. Um, so really doing some research about understanding that um, and really monitoring where we are on that continuum, as you talked about. And sometimes that that's, we're talking about a lifestyle shift or a lifestyle change. And, and I acknowledge that can be really difficult to start with because we're kind of in a society that thrives on stress and encourages stress. Um, so I encourage setting up little rituals to help you just check in. Yeah. Um, and sometimes with clients I say, just set the alarm to go off on your phone every 10 minutes. And when the alarm goes off, just check in. Where are you? How's it going? Yep. Wear a certain necklace or a piece of jewellery and every time you touch it, you know, use that as your anchor just to check in and see what's happening. Um, and to surround people around you that you can talk to about mm. and that can remind you of these things. Because, yeah, it's a lifestyle. Absolutely. It's a ritual. It's a practice. Yeah. Great. I mean, I think that's, I love the idea of the anchor, having an anchor mm -hmm. um, to bring you back into awareness because it's, you know, people can listen to this and even if it resonates, they go off and then they bang their back on the rat race or Absolutely. in the busy world and it all goes out the window. But if you've got an anchor, um, that's really important, I think. Um, I always talk about, and you mentioned it before, really understanding how you've got into the state you're in, whatever that state is, yes. whether it's high stress, you know, medium stress, normal stress, whatever. Um, understanding it, um, starting to get in touch with your body, the physical symptoms, feeling your nervous system, how aroused it is, mm -hmm. and then starting to then learn once you've got that to that state of awareness and acceptance of, okay, this is how I am now, it's then easier to start to then learn techniques. We talk about mindfulness, um, slowing down to then start to kind of deal with the everyday symptoms of stress, if you like. Um, and I think an anchor in terms of having someone to talk to, whether it be a trusted friend who's going to talk without judgment, a coach like the work we do, Sarah, or um, a therapist, whoever it is, that's really important because that can also be an additional check-in, kind of just space to get out of your own head um, so you can start to see the wood through the trees, which you can't do when you're busy and, and you're tired. Yeah, the irony being is we think this takes time, but it actually creates time. You know, the world will wait two minutes, three minutes, it doesn't take long to switch, you know, and the world will wait those couple of minutes while you just get yourself centred. Um, I often do work with mums and bubs, you know, and they'll call us yeah, out work. of their mind with bubs that aren't settling. You know, we say, is bubs safe? Yes. Okay, I want you to leave the room, walk out of the room and take a couple of minutes. Yeah. Centre yourself, then go back in. And I think... It's a good analogy for life. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, before we go, you do obviously coaching mm -hmm. or um, am I describing it right? You've got some programs that I've yeah. talked about um, and they sound really good in terms of 
you know, if this topic resonates with people um, as a way to then get go on that journey, sort of taking care of your own health, slowing down, dealing with stress, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. It's a lot about what you talked about, um, again, knowledge um, and experience and helping people understand where they are, giving them the, 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 um, what to look out for so they can identify where they are and then giving them the skills and resources to shift to somewhere else if that's what they want to do. So now we are much more conscious navigators of whether we're in fight or flight or whether we're in growth. Um, and once, the more often you do that, we become very flexible mm. in being able to flip backwards and forwards. And my experience is I spend less and less time in that fight and flight mode. Right. And I would love to share that. So, yeah, there's a coaching program for a couple of months. It takes some time to really implement this, and I'm keen to be with clients to, to give them long-term changes rather than band-aid solutions. Well, I think you need that in my experience. It is the, the small but really... Um, solid steps mm-hmm. are the way to true change um, you know we get some you know band-aid solutions which often done with good intention um, they just sort of tend to fall away but those small changes over a period of time going on that journey is really important I know that worked for me in terms of my own health and um, dealing with stress in my life and it's you know it's also the work I do as well mm-hmm. so I guess we can put some links um, in our bio and and under the video so that people can get in touch if they want to know more, they want us to come out and talk to them, their organisation, whatever it may be. You know, we'd love to hear from you, love to hear your thoughts and comments as well. Yes, very keen to share this information and hear about people's experiences. Awesome. Well, um, so good to do this with you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Um, and hopefully we'll do another topic again soon. Absolutely. That's on the card. I look forward to it. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Bye.